leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Myself up. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity CISO Thursdays. I hope everybody is well. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping amazing leaders hire great talent. And we will go around the horn. Dr. Dan. Dan Shea for Peak Performance Strategies uh, when losing is not an option. Losing is not an option with Dr. Dan. James Azar. Happy Thursday, James Azar, CISO, host of the CISO Talk podcast. And happy Purim to anyone who's celebrating Purim today. It's Purim. That's right. James is fasting. I am. And and I also have a really good costume for later today. (laughs) Can't wait to see it. Chris, my brother from another mother. Howdy, everyone. Chris Fulon, uh, security coach and security consultant. Happy to be here. Security coach and security consultant. Awesome. So, folks, today... Today, CISO Thursday, we are missing Miss Naomi Buckwalter once again. So it's a Naomi-less CISO Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Where is Naomi? You know, we should do like a where's Waldo, where's a Naomi, right? Put up a little... (laughs) <laughs> just we gotta put up like another another person and just put a question mark and her name underneath. One with a prize for whoever finds her. <laughs> yeah, someone find Naomi, please. She's Most somewhere in the Philadelphia the area. Most challenge hard, of the day. <laughs> hard at work, deep deep down in meetings. So, um, t- great topic. Also provided by Mr. James Azar. So I will let you kick off this topic. I think it's going to be a really good one um, for today around bug bounties. Go for it. So people want to break into cyber, right? People always want to break into cyber and they go, how do I get into cyber? And there's bug bounties. And JJ, we've had JJ on the show before. JJ is an awesome guy. I really love JJ. And he put up a post on LinkedIn. I think it was this morning or yesterday. I can't tell the difference in time anymore. But it was at some point in the last 12 to 15 hours. And he was talking about the idea is, is bug bounties fair? Meaning are organizations really saving money by doing bug bounties? Simply because a bug bounty is essentially like a pen test or a vulnerability scan where people are only paid for uh, the success that they achieve rather than the time that they invest. And I kind of compare it to, it's a great way for people, one, who want to break into cyber and do it on their own. You go do a bunch of bug bounties. You win a few bugs. You put that on your CV. That helps you get in for a red teaming job because now you've got proof that you're able to do it. It's not just a cert. It's actual work. 
And we all remember, and I think they still exist, commission-only sales jobs. Bug bounty is very similar to that. It's commission-only. I don't know that that reflects on, bad on organizations or reflects bad on people who do it. I think it's part of a free and open economy. I think um, those that are doing it have to understand the scope and the results needed to get the outcome. Because um, if you go into it not realizing the, the effort or um, the payout that you're going to get for a certain bug, then you might feel slighted um, if you invested a lot of time and you don't get an outcome. Um, but then this is where you can niche down. If you have a certain specialty, if you have a knack for finding certain types of bugs, um, that's your opportunity to even dive deeper in that particular area. And there's people that only find bug bounties in things like SQL injections. Like that's all they look for and they scale on that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an opportunity to um, dive deep in your craft. You know, that's, that's a, it's, it's a, you can start a company from just being an independent bug bounty guy. Yep. I was going to add in, I, I do like your analogy, James, when you say it's like a, a, um, a commission only salesperson, because it's great practice. Like you're actually doing work that could be rewarded. And even if you don't get to the part where you get the bounty, you've actually, um, you can talk to this kind of a conversation when you're interviewing. So instead of doing things that may, you know, you're practicing and it may result in nothing, I would think about it as practicing and it results, it could result in something. So, yeah. Hey, um, Chris, before we proceed on the topic, give us a 2021 and 2021, 221 and 2021 update, man. We ought to start every episode with that. We, we should. Um, I have some slackers on the team that forget to update the list, but um, <laughs> of hires that we've gotten. But I think we're we're about fifteen hires, even though I know some people that don't update the list. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Naomi and Renee and James, um, that don't update the list. When people reach out to I us, I tell, tell you, us that they I got message hired. you and I say, Chris, this person got a job. That's it. Yeah, you update the list anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what do we pay you for, Chris? Update exactly. the list, Chris. You, don't. you get you the don't. same messages we do. <laughs> um, anyway, we've had over uh, 325 people apply to have their resumes um, reviewed. We have over 25 resume reviewers, and we reviewed close to 100 of those resumes. So we're about a third of the way um, of those uh, reviewed. So thank you to all the volunteers that are helping. Thank you for the patience for those that have submitted their resume. Um, we want to make this happen. Um, please continue submitting your resumes. We'll help you when you can. If you're interested in helping to review resumes, um, reach out to any of us. We'll uh, get the access started for you and let's make this successful. Indeed. Absolutely. I'm going to shout some people out here. Nora says, hello, Renee, James, Chris, Dan. And where were you at, Naomi? <laughs> where are you? Nora, hello. the challenge today is go try and find her. I know. That's it. That's our bug bounty. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get. A resume. <laughs> <laughs> 
The reward is an updated resume. Anthony Davis says, hello, Renee. And guys, see, all the guys are in black, and I'm bringing it in green and teal. Um, ben says, hey, everybody. Hey, Ben. Hey, ben. How you doing, Ben? And Nora wanted to know, how do you spell that, James? Bug Bounty. Bad Bounty. Funny. Um, I think Leroy got it over there. Leroy. Yep. Being the community guy that he is. IPR. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And while I'm here putting up a a comment from YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's another thing we have to continue to say. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, Okay. Awesome. And if you like this episode, share it with your friends. (laughs) 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 You know, that's... that's, you get authentic, raw feelings on CISO Thursdays. <laughs> Nothing is planned. We just go with it. <laughs> if you've ever been a surfer, if you've ever surfed a day in your life, you don't plan for the wave. You're just on your board. You're out at sea. You see a wave come. You get a feel for it. You go, I'm going to get on this wave. <laughs> get on the board. It's just like that, right? But let's talk a little bit about Bug Bounty a little bit more because, you know, I'm curious for for people watching if they've considered doing Bug Bounty programs, right, and participating. Because we always talk about, you know, being part of community projects and meeting other people. But are you also doing any independent Bug Bounty programs? Because those are really important, Um they really highlight that. And I'm kind of, you know, pros and cons of, 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 you know, doing that we can discuss. Yeah. I'm curious about that too. Like I shared um, last summer, I was looking for people um, and sometimes go to um, um, go to sites where I'm looking for folks who have done this or doing research or like going on Twitter and kind of like seeing who is working on these types of projects. So it's always, you know, when you think of it from a recruiting perspective and a hiring manager perspective and what we look for, you know, the people who are posting stuff on Twitter, the people who are doing that are the first ones to get outreach um, when it comes from us, from a recruiter perspective, when we are looking. So it's definitely something you want to put out there. And to James's point, I definitely want to hear what people's um, experiences have been in bug bounties. And I, I had um, a conversation with a hiring manager over at uh, Mongo this morning, just as a um, regular connection. And we talked about breaking into cybersecurity and the things that he looks for as a hiring manager. And that those were some of the things that we mention all the time, doing things like bug bounties, uh, CTF challenges, um, any anything that shows that you're incre- you're continuously increasing your skill set and you can show that in a demonstrable way, they love that. Um, and, and that was specifically one of the things that he looks for. Um, and then the other topic that we talked about in depth was um, how better to attract underrepresented groups. And um, bug bounties are a great way to level that playing field. If you come from an underrepresented group and you have an amazing skill set here, now you can combine that skill set to show that you have the skill and your background or your education 
now doesn't matter because your hiring manager is looking for that specific skill set. Chris, how do you define an underrepresented group? Um, the easy way, if you're not a white Asian male. <laughs> I don't know if Asian men are, are, are Asian men unrepresented too? I think so. No, like white, white males and Asian males within the cybersecurity space are dominant, make up the majority dominant. of it. So anyone that's not them. Um, I hate to put myself in that group, but yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, Chris, you're a white male. <laughs> you know, I. You know I, what I typically say, so I'm not even saying it. This time. You know, Thank I think you. it's interesting this this whole topic of, uh, of the bug bounty. Uh, probably before you guys were all born, they wrote some military books about special teams that were in the in the military whose whole, whole role was to break in and, and break into the high security positions in places in, on military bases around the world. And they would go in and they would, they would break into them. And it was how they did it and how they managed it uh, to show them that they were really at risk. And that was before the Internet. Believe it, I was around before the Internet. So it's, it's, Yeah, red, red, red teaming and the tiger teaming. There you go. But but the it was always to expose. I think do two things: expose the the vulnerability, but also let the people at the very top who are making these decisions, whether it's CIOs or boards of directors or CEOs of companies who are not familiar with this stuff, just how much risk that's out there that they're not even aware of. Yeah, I wonder if people know what a bug bounty is. Because I know Nora, Nora looked that up. I mean, Nora didn't know. It seems like she didn't know what it was. So, James, you want to explain? Yeah, it's it's so so. Bug bounty is essentially like a vulnerability scanner or a red teaming exercise, right? Only it's scoped specific to a specific program, app, business process, whatever. And you're given the opportunity to go in there. You you essentially sign up for a bug bounty program. From a logistics perspective, you sign up in order to be able to get access. So not everyone can get access. You're vetted. You're given access. You then go in and you dig and you fish. And you're testing and you're trying to break stuff. And if you happen to break something or find a vulnerability, you report it with how you did it. Um, Some bug bounties actually... um, um, put in remediation ideas as well for the company. And then based on the essentially severity of the critical of the vulnerability you found, you are rewarded with an X amount of dollars. I think last year there was someone who did a, who did a bug bounty who earned, I think, what was it like seven or $800,000 in 2020 from bug bounties. Or if you hack the government of Holland, they'll give you a t-shirt that says, this is all I got for hacking the government of Holland is this lousy T-shirt. Do they also give you a joint from like one of the like coffee shops in Amsterdam? <laughs> like here's a T-shirt and a joint. Thank you. <laughs> no, no proof there. But um, yes, Anthony, it, it, it's a type of threat hunting kind of, um, except you're the one exposing, you're the one being the threat. Um, as most people think of threat hunting, you're looking for signs of compromise within an environment that's what typical threat hunting is but 
you're the one going in and you're finding the weakness that a, a threat otherwise would before they do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's great for us to be able to explain these things because we have to remember too, I know we're, we're in inundated and folks are breaking in. So they might not even know what a lot of the things that we talk about means. So what I want to say to the community is Definitely ask if it's something that you've never heard before or you want us to explain. This is breaking into Cyber CISO Thursdays. Like, this is what we're here for. So definitely do that. Definitely ask us. Yeah. Would it be be interesting to let people know what the process is to be accepted into this bug bounty uh, environment, what they need to do to uh, get access well, yeah. I mean, you, you go to any company, right? I mean, we at my organization, we have a bug bounty program on specific stuff where we just we can't get to it. Like we know that if we we I the way we do bug bounties is I look at something and I go, this isn't going to get looked at for nine, ten months down the road, but we should probably get looked at now. So we'll set up a bug bounty program, an internal and an external one. We have internal people apply. We have external people. By the way, for a lot of people who are working in companies right now, you could very well have an internal bug bounty program from your security program and not even know it. And you automatically qualify for those just by like going to your security team and being like, hey, do we have an internal bug bounty program? And you make extra cash. And if you're trying to go into cybersecurity within your own company, meaning transition from, let's say, uh, uh, accounting, boring, or, you know, your liberal arts degree, also <laughs> useless. There you go, Jay. You go into security. The liberal arts, it gets a plug if, every week. I don't mention it at least once a show. I feel like I'm doing people a disservice. <laughs> because somewhere out there, there's a college recruiter and a high school counselor saying, go to college and get a liberal arts degree. And you're like, <laughs> I have one. Right. See what happened with you, Chris. You don't even know what you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yep i know exactly what i am <laughs> so but there are internal bug bounty products i'm joking with chris folks like don't take it like any other way people are gonna just be like wow he's really going after chris today and i'm like no i'm not i love chris we, chris is like a brother and we so, beat up on each other all the time so. yes people don't want to see like my signal chat with chris like <laughs> like there's some serious abuse in there that i go through so um and it's usually chris beating up on us right so. he's like well, i'm waiting for this to get me something I yeah i get called anyway back to bug bounties um there's also what i wanted to mention so while companies host bug bounties themselves um if they don't have the infrastructure or the team to be able to handle all the inquiries for bug bounties themselves. There's companies out there that also host bug bounties um, and do all the coordination for that. So like a big company would be uh, Bug Crowd. What they do, if James's company doesn't want to handle everyone that wants to do a bug bounty coming and asking him for permission, he goes to a company like that. They will do the coordination and they will do the validation. They will do all the requirements gathering and everything like that so that those that are interested they go to this one common place and now they have access to uh, bug bounties from hundreds of different programs and they don't have to go going to every single company for that that's another option 
Right. So Anthony says here, it sounds like what Google does with Android OS beta program, uh-huh. allowing the public to identify and report bugs or vulnerabilities. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Facebook has one. Google has one. Apple's got one. Major corporations have it. Banks have it. Um, Tesla. Tesla does. SolarX. Yeah. Like a lot of companies do these. And I will say this: some people dog these. And I just want to kind of like talk about the free market for a moment. No one forces you to do a bug bounty program. It's something that's available there. It's kind of like driving an Uber as a side hustle. No one's forcing you to drive an Uber, right? But it's if, you know, some people drive an Uber because they enjoy driving or that's the only job they can get or they're making really good money off of driving for Uber, right? So, I mean, bug bounties is not a solid paycheck, but it's a great way to make a name for yourself. Because I know some really good bug bounty people who get hired to work at some of the biggest companies to lead teams because they were really good bug bounty guys. And if you specialize in those hard to find vulnerabilities, I mean, some of them go for 100K of vulnerability. So if you plan out the the level of effort that's needed and you do two or three of those vulnerabilities in a year, look at that. You made 300K in a year. And it's not a lot of vulnerabilities, but it's those high impact ones that make a name for themselves. And even if you don't um, get those big ones, you can still advertise that this is what you worked on. This is the progress that you made and put that on your resume as well. Yeah, I think, you know, Renee, I wanted to ask you a question. Um <laughs> <laughs> Only one screaming kids in your background, huh? <laughs> you, you know, we talk about bug bounties, and, and that's a really good topic. But but what I feel like a lot of a lot of times is kind of the um, what's the biggest rewards for bugs that we've seen? Um, I think I, I saw one for half a million dollars not long ago. Um, I know so, I know several like groups that have made a combined like five or six million dollars. Like they, they just became a bunch of bug bounty hunters and just went out and like just did that. And you know they had a teams focused. They were they I think they made like six or seven million dollars. I remember a black hat two years ago. Someone said he made over a million dollars from bug bounties. I've heard about that as well. Um, I wanted to go back to something that you talked about a little bit earlier, James, in regards to um, people looking in their organizations, um, because I think it's always it seems to be highly overlooked that people look within. So to James's point, if you're in accounting or you're doing something else, you're in the stock room, you're you know, whatever it is that you're doing and your company has one of these internal programs, it's a great way for you to go in and get that experience. So always think about like your immediate organization first, if you are working, regardless of what role you're in, think about what, you know, if you're in a big company, even if you're in a smaller company or you're doing something just completely unrelated to security. So I just wanted to, you know, to talk about that. Bring wondering, that back what the, wondering what the entry level training is necessary for somebody who thinks that this would be a great way to go. What do they need to learn first? Who do they need to talk to first? So that really depends on the level of skill that they have and the type of bugs that they're going after. 
obviously the the lower hanging fruit um, they pay less, but you'll find more of them. Um, so if you scale your way of finding those types of bugs, like an SQL injection or a cross-site scripting or something like that, um, those are the easier ones to get. Um, but in regards to, I wanted to touch on Renee's comment for looking internally, even if your company doesn't have a bug bounty program and you find vulnerabilities, report them to your security program. Because even if they don't have that formal program available, you now make yourself look like an asset to the organization because you save them from this vulnerability being exploited. And you can ask if they don't have one set up, are they considering one? If not, like, can you join their team? Because now they see that you have the skills to find those types of vulnerabilities. Those are just always to, to shine within your organization. I think that is such a good point. Nora says, wow, she had no idea about this stuff. I think it's an awesome point, Chris, because there's so many times when people are, you know, we immediately look at the other side, the grass is greener on the other side, or the opportunities are on the other side, or there's somewhere else. And looking within is just so very important. I can tell you that I had a friend, I have a friend who I believe found something in one of the JP Morgan Chase, one of the large banks um, found, and it w there was no or he wasn't aware of a bug bounty program in this space, but found his vulnerability and reached out to them. And they all, you know, responded really quickly, like their security leaders. Um, and he was actually on the outside. Um, but again, the name now, his name is known. It comes up in conversations. It's just one other way to get in front of the leaders that you need to, you need for them to, to know who you are. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's important when you're trying to break into a new field to do anything possible to get your name out there and also get projects under your belt and get some success under your belt. And so bug bounties is a great way to do it, do this. By the way, there's a ton of companies today that do like crowdsource red teaming where you essentially go in and you're a, you know, if you do your your certified ethical hacker and you go in and you just join any one of those companies, you do contract work so that, you know, they vet you to bring you in and they give you projects based on your capabilities. And, and you know, you kind of have a boss, but it's a per project boss kind of deal mm -hmm. um, with crowdsourced red teaming. And I always find like every week when we talk about the idea of breaking into cyber, we talk about the traditional aspects of going and being a SOC employee or, you know, wanting to build uh, and start your career. But if you really want it, like when I get someone who tells me I've done bug bounties or, you know, I'm part of, you know, I've done red teaming in all these different places as part of, you know, group projects or as a freelancer, that's someone who really wants it. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, and from a recruit, again, the recruiting side of it, it's like, these are the places where we go. We go looking for people and um we go out into capture the flag like I, I tell a story over and over again you know we had a um uh, I had a role last year and uh in the summertime looking for someone didn't need to have any specific it was nice that he was in school but he didn't he didn't have his degree we didn't we, we didn't care the leader wanted someone who had this level of experience who had been 
in Capture the Flags, who was at a certain um, criteria um, and was a part of, a, again, a group or a team that was ranked relatively high. Um, and this person got the got the role. So it just goes to show once again, it's showcasing people who are creating the experiences. They're creating their own experiences. They're like, hey, I'm going to jump into this and get practice, learn, maybe win something, maybe not. But now you can actually get into an interview and have a conversation around what you did. Um, so it's so valuable to have practical experiences. One thing to be theory and, you know, textbooks and things like that. Or, you know, I took this training course and this is what we did. It's a whole different ballgame when you're actually talking about your results from an action that you took. So just an example for some people, um, in regards to the crowdsourcing uh, red team that Jamie mentioned, Synac is just one of the companies that does that. Um, for the bug bounties, uh, bug crowd is an, another that kind of handles those. Uh, just to give you an example of some of the companies out there, there's many others, but um, if you search them, uh, you can find them. In regards to that question that just came up, uh, centralized contract opportunities. If only life were that easy and we can all go to one place to find something. Uh, that's why we have amazing recruiters like Renee that helps companies find the type of people that you're looking for. Nice plug. Nice plug. Nice plug. <laughs> okay, folks, that. if you want to sponsor the show and you want Chris to be your plug guy, let Chris know. <laughs> that was an awesome plug. That was a great plug. <laughs> It is true. Nobody knows where to go find these people. We had to go research and dig them out. Um, Nora makes a good comment. Some people also don't have a clue. Thanks for opening up. Yes. Nora, we realized by Chris. Chris, that's the right. Chris. Um, we realized that. We realized that it is, it is definitely um, a struggle for a lot of people who are not aware and really digging in and trying to find out where um and and us being here and knowing some of these little nuances being able to share them with you all is what we are here to do to continue to help you to break in and this is definitely a way <laughs> definitely a way in david is funny we will, will be getting a lot of, we're, we're about to find out chris's marketing power <laughs> Okay, David, we're about to find out just how powerful Chris's statement was. That was awesome. Nice, yeah, that was, smooth plug. <laughs> that was a very smooth plug. That was so spontaneous, you know. It always, it always comes back to the way people think about this. You know, how do you, uh, you know, people I work with today are in 2026 working backwards. Where do you want to be? And what could possibly, you could possibly do to disrupt or derail your plans? But this is not goal setting. This is dreaming about it. It's using your subconscious mind to move in that direction. But the other thing people have to ask themselves is, what does it cost me not to hire, call Renee? What does it cost me not to use Renee? It's not I want to use Renee. It's I don't want to not use Renee. As I've said before in these calls for weeks, you know, we can't, you can't go to the yellow pages for cybersecurity people. But the point <laughs> is, is that, some people do. Does everybody really know what the process is to to get the right cybersecurity people in the right place within your company? I don't know. Yeah, they're struggling, Dan. A nice a, a double plug. I feel like I'm 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 awaiting the business to just come. <laughs> but well, you're right, Dan. You, Renee, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> a plug from Dan and a plug from Chris. Awesome. Um, 
Go ahead, James. I, I have I, nothing. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm plugged out. I'm plugged You're not going to plug me too? No. Um, I, yeah, I, I, but, I plug you on my show all the time. I know you do. Love. So, okay. David says, perfect. This is very useful for people like myself. I'm a freelance content creator with a full-time gig teaching kids programming. I'm looking for a way to fold newly acquired security training into a freelance role. Yeah. So some of the stuff on LinkedIn that I see about around bug bounties that companies take advantage of people kind of want to set that record, you know, straight, which is bug bounties are free programs. You sign up based on success and no one's forcing you to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, to, to everything that you said before, people drive Ubers, some because they like to drive. Some one guy I met in an Uber said that he was making more money driving his Uber than he had in his ID job. So, so he just like and he liked driving. Um, and he didn't have a boss sitting on his head. Right. He didn't have like if he wanted to work 15 hours today, he can. And if he wanted to work two hours tomorrow, he can. Yep. And it's the same, it's the same kind of concept. So James, I'm curious because I didn't see JJ's um I didn't see JJ Davies post on it. There was a conversation around like that companies were taking advantage and that people Yeah, I, I had a few people try to be like, so you justify bug bounties. I had a really good friend of mine who barely, you know, with wife and kids who barely made a living on bug bounties because he couldn't get a job. And I'm like, well, he made a living doing bug bounties when he couldn't get a job. Like, do you realize that, like, I kind of just quit it after a while because I'm just like, there's, like, sometimes you realize you can't argue with fools. And that was one of those cases where I was just arguing with people who, just for the sake of arguing, I'm, no one forces you to do anything. Right. Right. Companies do bug bounties because there are people who don't want to deal with company politics, who don't want to have a boss, who want to work at their own leisure who want to do a four-day working binge and then take three weeks off and go somewhere and just hang out. Yeah. I know a lot of those people. Me too. Like really smart people, but that suck in an organization. And if it wasn't for bug bounty programs, they wouldn't be making a living or they wouldn't be happy making a living. Right. No, you're right. I mean, I think for someone to say that it's taking advantage of somebody when there's a reward at the end, it just doesn't even make any sense. Nobody's tying anybody's tying anyone up and saying, hey, come do this. And for the people who can get in and get some experience, even if they don't get anything at the end, um, it's just it just seems to be win win. Like you said, you could sign up if you want. And if you don't want to, don't. <laughs> like, how is you know that? You know, you know what's unfair is we talk about oftentimes, you know, the idea of interns, like free interns, right? Mm -hmm. Now, free interns, I can take that argument in the chin, right? Because you should pay people who work for you, especially if you're employing them full time, but you're, and you're not giving them the opportunity yeah, to do anything else. That's, that's completely different from the idea of bug bounty programs. Which which are you know designed to do something completely different, right. and 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 we have this. We sometimes we, we get into these um, um, echo chambers of well, I found this you know, and not to say that bug bounties are perfect. So let's talk about the downside of bug bounties. All right, 
you might get screwed once or twice doing it over a period of time. But guess what? You also get screwed when you have a job and you're going for a position and you don't get it. Right. And you feel like you got cheated. Right. Okay. So I want to bring that up because someone's going to be like, James, you're painting this as to be perfect. No, some companies are horrible. Some companies are really horrible. You find a vulnerability, they decide to classify it as a medium vulnerability when it should be a high vulnerability. Instead of making 10 grand, you make five. And you realize you just reported a $10,000 bounty. You take your $5,000 and you don't do bug bounty for that company anymore. Right. Right. And you're probably going to tell 20, 30 other people not to do it because bug bounty people typically hang in the same crowd. And those people aren't going to go work with that company. And then that company is going to be like, why is our bug bounty program failing? Because <laughs> I've seen that. I've had peers, CISOs call me up and go, James, I can't get my bug bounty program off the ground. Like, you know, we started off really good and then, you know, it didn't. And I'm like, well, who ran your bug bounty program? Right. And then we look at it and I go, well, yeah, you screwed two guys. I go like, these guys should have gotten paid the full amount or they should have gotten paid, you know, a thousand dollars. You paid him 500 bucks or they should have paid 2,500. You paid him a thousand. Like, yeah, people aren't going to want to work with you when you do that. Your program isn't going to excel. You're going to be on the, you're going to be on the part of the web that you don't want to be on. Which is the same thing with companies that screw, um, interviewers over that screw over you know like screwing their employees over you go on glassdoor you go on all these different you know you go on linkedin people are not shy about talking about it in general so you can't even say like this is a thing and you know nothing is perfect we know that right we can own our lives and say that hey we jump into something yes we get screwed at times. If you're a grown up and you've been working for, I don't know how many, uh, six months <laughs> or a year, you already know, like this, this is just life. It, to me, it's just great experience for somebody that wants to get in and put it on your resume. And then the bonus is you could actually make some money. Whereas a lot of these, if you compare it to just straight training, you, you're you're in a training program or you're doing these things on your own or you're just going on YouTube or whatever it is. And yes, you're putting it there or you're paying someone else to get certified. When in this case, you're actually doing work that you can talk to, that you can have a conversation about. And there's an opportunity for you to get paid. It to me only seems like, but I don't know. That's probably what my No, you're, you're right. So yours truly, Rob, you, you go to any brand you want and, and, um, Chris, before he left, brought it up. You can go to Buck Crowd. Um, they run a bunch of bug bounty programs. You can sign up through them, and then companies list bug bounty through them. Or a lot of the big organizations have, you know, that are sizable. So big banks, um, government, some big government. Like I think DOD has a bug bounty program. The yeah. Department of Energy has a bug bounty program. Yeah. And, um, you could Major Google. tech I mean, companies like Adobe, Google, Facebook, all, all the big tech companies have bug bounty programs. All you have to do is just, you know, look it up, you know, bug bounty program with the company name and it'll take you right there. Do that on DuckDuckGo and it'll take you right there. Yep, exactly. They're all out there. And um, I think they're just great ways to get experience. Like our goal here is to teach you how to break in. Right. And so everyone's taking the method of 
putting on their resume, you know, taking some courses, getting some certifications, potentially putting information on the resume that says, oh, you know, this is what I'm doing or this is what I've done or this is the course that I've taken or this is the certification that I've had. The, the purpose of us here in Breaking Into Cyber and CISO Thursdays and all of our series is to, and our 221 in 21, 2021 campaign is to beat the system. Like we're trying to beat the ATS system. We're going around it, right? So we're hacking our way into you all getting jobs, hacking your way into getting experience, real experience that you can talk to. Because it's one thing, say you do apply like people do, right? To hundreds of jobs. And then somebody does say, okay, great. This person's resume looks good. And they get the interview, you know, the resume and the application is step one. Getting through the interview is step two. And if you got James on the other side or JJ Davey or Naomi or anyone asking you some real tough questions, you want to have experience to talk to it. And doing something like a bug bounty program or a capture the flag, you're actually saying, this is what I did. This is, you know, it's real deal experience. And you should be trying to get as many of those experiences and adding them to your resume as possible. Yeah, you, you, you like when you go to cyber events, you go to B sides and they have a capture of the flag, be part of it, sign up for it. Um, even if you've never done one before and you don't have the best experience, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, when you go and you sit around other people and you don't know, like we did a capture of the flag here in Atlanta a few years ago with uh, Georgia Tech and UNG and Georgia State and a bunch of other schools, right? And, um, and you know, um, it was a blast and people were helping each other. We had, you know, advanced, you know, kids that, that done internships at the NSA that showed up to people who are just getting started. And it was a support group of people in there helping each other out. So uh, don't feel like you, if you go there, you're going to embarrass yourself. If you go there and you say, Oh yeah, I've, I hacked Apple. And then, you know, <laughs> you haven't done that. You're going to make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> If you go in and you just say, look, and I'm trying to break into cyber, um, you know, I've done these three things. I've learned Kali Linux. I've done a few of this other stuff. And, you know, I've taken a few courses and I'm studying for my cert, but I really wanted to kind of dab with this. Someone's going to tell you, hey, come sit next to me and I'll help you get through this. Yeah. And they're going to coach you through this. They're going to become your friends. They're going to walk you through this. They're going to give you tips that we here may not give you because we don't know everything we can't possibly cover everything right right in addition you're gonna have a lot of these um especially when they're in person and i'm assuming online too is uh there's gonna be recruiters there you know when i went to the university of maryland had something um or the, the Maryland, there was a big Maryland cyber conference every year. I forget the name of it. Um, and they have a similar type of, you know, along with their um, programming, like their standard speaker series and all of that, you do have the bug bounties, the capture the flag programs, people getting together, helping each other out, joining a team. It's almost always a team um, effort and a team involved. So you see all the different teams and you want to know who's hanging out right around those tables, like looking for people, recruiters and hiring managers, literally, you know, swarming the place, looking for talent. So again, 
you know, just doubling down on everything James is saying in terms of getting the experience, joining, not feeling, you know, everyone's a, everyone was a beginner at some point and you won't, you know, you'll, you'll get support more than anything else. Like, don't be afraid. Don't feel like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, because at some point nobody knew what they were doing. Yeah. And, um, no, no one knew what they were doing the moment they started doing it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> you don't know. I was a baby recruiter once. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was doing a, um, I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about our first jobs and you know, he's all like, what, you, what was your first job, James? And I was like, I worked at McDonald's. Go seriously. I was like, yeah, I was like, absolutely. I worked at McDonald's. That was my first job. I didn't know what the hell I was doing in McDonald's. <laughs> I think I lasted a week at the fast food. I was telling us. I, I lasted like three weeks. <laughs> I lasted three weeks. And then someone said, you got to go clean playland. And I was like, that's where I draw the line in the sand. <laughs> I did K I was at KFC. It wasn't my first job. I had done little jobs in um high school. But I was at there was a KFC Nathan's kind of combination. And they put me on fries and I was like, it's too hot. <laughs> I wasn't moving fast. <laughs> I wasn't moving fast enough. And then they moved me to the to the sodas and then I had to <laughs> I was like, this isn't. This isn't the kind of work for me, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing either. But but, but, but isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? How many of us have had that imposter syndrome in our first jobs? (laughs) Like sometimes you sit in a boardroom and you've like, I have a board meeting tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Right? Like I go through imposter syndrome the day before. Like, what am I going to talk about? What are the questions that I'm going to be asked? What are the things that I'm going to be going through with it? You go through an imposter syndrome every single time, even if you're in something for 10 years, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, not just year one. Totally, totally true. David says 20 years in restaurant operations management and and we have him rolling. (laughs) Yeah. All those little kiddos coming in, like I can't get the thing to work. Yeah, David. But seriously, well, I was like, made it now. I was like that fifteen-year-old kid. I was like, I draw the line at cleaning Playland. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I am not cleaning. <laughs> like people should really watch their kids at Playland. Like anyone, any responsible parent that lets their kids go into a playground at a fast food joint, they're doing all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> you know what? Kids eat their own boogers in there. They poop, like pooping and peeing. <laughs> yeah, they poop and pee, and like you'll find like old stale chicken nuggets that haven't aged a day. You know, like that have probably been there for like weeks on end. That's why they took them out. Most places, the only the only place I've seen them recently is in um, Chick Fil A, and they do a pretty really good job of. Yeah, Chick Fil A actually cleans. Yeah, they clean it. So they do like, a great, great job. Um, okay. Anthony said, can I, bring this back? can I bring this back to a job? People, recruiters looking for people. Yeah. Uh, when, when somebody is in a position in a company where HR is not supplying them with the people they need and they find somebody who they realize will satisfy their needs, you don't have to go to them. They will come to you. I've seen this happen with people where people just said, you know, we need you working with us. 
Right. And so, and it's, you know, uh, but it was to define mm-hmm. conventional wisdom, talking about stuff that was different, asking different questions, uh, and also operating confidentially under the radar with cell phones and private email addresses so that nothing had yep. to go through the company. So a lot of what's going on today, most of the people I deal with had dealt with on, on uh, private emails, cell phones, and texts. Uh, because, you know, when you're alone at the top and you have nobody to bounce anything off of, it's not a great place to be. You don't yeah. want to be that guy. And you don't want to be that guy or woman without a re- without resources. I find it that about 45% of my clients are women. And it's these helping them navigate the shark-infested waters of whatever company they're in or getting where they want to go. And watching out for people who make believe that they're in your court, but they really aren't. <laughs> we've had one of those situations. We, we've had a couple of those situations. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, you know, it's can you anticipate, uh, I put a top, you know, what doesn't have to happen? I ask people, tell me what does not have to have happen. A lot of this stuff is because people haven't asked the right questions to the right people at the right time, and they haven't planned you know, it, it's uh, so there's there's a value in my mind, in my world of working backwards. Consciously, you work forwards, next steps, next steps, next step. Subconsciously, your subconscious mind will work on your behalf if you can get a program to work backwards. People use hypnosis to make that happen. I do it all the time. Yeah. And Dan, the, re- the, the one thing that I, I, I was reading, which book was I listening to? I think it was a Brian Tracy um, book recently and they talked about what you said in regards to working backwards and um talking about successful people and how they have like a long-term vision and it made me think about your 2026 the way you always talk about working backwards because you know you can make a you can make a comment today I've seen some stuff this week on LinkedIn um where people like either bash their jobs or put up not in security thank the lord yet <laughs> but people were putting up um putting up really detailed uh like one one person put up a resignation letter like people putting these things out there that i don't know if they were thinking in 2026 even though it's probably very, very painful, a p- very painful situation right now, if they were thinking about who they are in 2026, that they would do something like that. You know, just this summer, all the people making comments and like having these little mini fights on LinkedIn when it came to the political process, you know, really going down deep. The thing is, you know, you're making that, you're making these comments in one year, but then two years from now, some employer is looking down or, you know, you're looking for a job or whatever. And it's not necessarily the political affiliation per se. It's the way you are conducting yourself online, which will make them think, like, do I want to have this person in my organization? If I say something wrong or if they don't like it, are they going to be putting me on blast on some social network? Yeah, I'm really really a great person, very qualified. But what I like to do on weekends is blow stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it it comes back. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that last statement, Doctor Dan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with blowing stuff up. Well, I'll tell you. Tell as you, long as you do it Friday legally. night. <laughs> <laughs> I I did a program for hockey goaltenders about ten years ago, 
about 95 of the top hockey goalies in the country. And I said to them, what about social media? They said, oh, what do you, he said, Doc, what do you think about Facebook? I said, uh, Facebook is like herpes. I said, whatever you put on never goes away. So somebody's going to go look at it and they're going to find it and it's either going to work for you or not against you. So it's planning. What am I going to say? And what do I not want to say? Yeah, it's um, it's very, very critical. Yeah. Yep. A couple comments here. Oh, we lost. <laughs> she went for the comments and she disconnected herself. So I'll read off some of these comments. <laughs> he comes back. Oh, this is the best. Uh, <laughs> you probably you left the studio. I pressed the button. So funny. You did what I did earlier. I went to like click on something and it was like leave studio. I'm like, come on, man. Today is that day. It's a come on, man. I I just want to hear like Randy Moss go, come on, man. Oh, man. And I had some good comments to put up because somebody wrote a, a really funny comment about the fact that um, we were in like uh, former fast food, food worker right. support group Thursday. <laughs> That's by Ben. David said something really awesome. I had really bad imposter syndrome in my ethical hacking class at UMGC until my entire group with certifications had no idea how to do our capture the flag challenges. And I had half the list done. It just takes getting started and willingness to learn the tools. It absolutely does, David. Like willingness to learn the tools. Put yourself out there. Stop looking at other people, right? Like you talked about Facebook a second ago and social media. One of the impacts that we've seen from social media socially, folks, is the idea that you're looking at other people like social media has made it that if you board a flight, you're got to take a picture of like, look at me, I'm flying on an airplane. You're like, great. Thank you for letting the hackers know that you're not there. So now I can social engineer my way into your organization. Cause you're, you know, you just posted that you're flying somewhere. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I know that Dan, um, you know, is on his way to Connecticut now. Um, but he asked me to get this done for you. And this really needs to get done in the next hour. Can you help me? And she, you know, I, I just spoke to Dan before he boarded his flight. Right. Game over. Yeah. And that's coming like, and I'm being conservative here. Right? Exactly. And people think I'm exaggerating, but I'm like, listen, you guys have never, if you've never been in cyber, if you, if you want to understand cyber, you have to understand how your adversaries work and our adversaries work just like a business, cybercrime organizations and nation states operate like businesses. It's not a bunch of people on keyboards. There's people out there that do research. There's people out there who find the opportunities. There's people out there who give you the information. And then there's someone who puts it all together. And that's how it works. If you know that, life is sweet from there on out. Then you're good. Totally. Well, folks, it is almost um, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are going to wrap again. Thank you all for being here today. This was awesome. Always a great conversation. Always good um, dialogue. So a couple things, 221, hashtag 221 and 2021. Make sure you are continuing to send your resumes in to Chris. He's the ringleader of this little show here. So reach out to him, send anything you need to Chris. He will get you where you need to go when it comes to the 2020, 221 and 2021 challenge. Um, 
and continue to like, share, subscribe to us. We need to build our YouTube channel. So please, please, please hop on YouTube and follow us and subscribe so you get our um, pings and stuff on YouTube. When we, continue, when we continue to defy conventional wisdom, do stuff that nobody expects. And uh, imagine I gave you a magic wand, you waved it, and you were in 2026. What would it look like? Awesome. Andre says, great hanging with us. Thank you. Ben says, thank you. Thank you, Ben. You are always a lot of fun. Great point, James from Suitha. We all need to understand that social engineering is not calling for OTP and passwords alone. So true. So true. We should talk about that. Social engineering. Just like. We can. We can talk about how social media has made it really. When people say, what's the cure for cybersecurity problems? I go social, get rid of social media. Yeah. All right, folks, we will see you again next Thursday on CISO Thursdays. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.